welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 8th of April 2018, entitled The Ark of the Covenant, A Type of Christ, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 to 22. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Turn for our scripture reading in the Old Testament, Exodus, second book of the Bible. We'll look in chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25, we'll begin reading in verse 1 and read through verse 22. Exodus chapter 25, beginning in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. Of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering." And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skin dyed red and badger skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. They shall make an ark of shittim wood. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold within and without shalt thou overlay it, and shall make upon it a crown of gold round about. Thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it. Put them in the, in the and put two and two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. Thou shalt make staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. Thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, and that the ark may be borne with them. The staves shall be in the rings of the ark. They shall not be taken from it. Thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. Thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof. Thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. Of beaten work shalt thou make them in the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other, even of the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. The cherubims shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another. Toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubims be. Thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee, and there will I meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. Father, thank you that we can be gathered here again this evening, Lord. Lord, gathered here together, but most of all gathered together in your presence. Lord, this is a place that has been set aside and set aside and dedicated to you and to your work. 
And Father, we thank you that we have your word before us that you have preserved your spirit within us to give us understanding. Now, Lord, we stand in total and complete dependence upon you this evening. Father, please speak to our hearts, not what man can speak this evening, but speak what only you can speak. Lord, you know each of our hearts better than we know ourselves. You know exactly what we need. Lord, help us. Help us to look to you for that which, which, which we most need, Lord, for you to be able to do the work that is needed in our lives. We pray, Lord, that you'll do this in such a way that it'll bring glory and honor to you alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. We began looking at this passage Sunday before last. As we began to look, we said we're looking here at the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament and showing us many of the pictures that it gives us of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. You see, the first vessel that God instructed Moses to make was the ark. They were going to build a whole tabernacle. There was all kind of things that were going in there. But here, the very first thing in verse 10, they shall make an ark. That was the very first thing that he gives the instructions for. You see, without the ark, the rest of it was just a tent. It was just instruments. It was God's presence that made something special about it. And may I say on a similar note that that is all, that so many times so much of the emphasis is put upon our buildings down here that we call the church, that we call the house of God. But folks, without the presence of God, it's just brick and mortar and timber, and it has absolutely no value whatsoever to God or to God's people they're building a tabernacle. And, of course, this is the beginning. This is a passage that, that you've heard me teach on many times uh, year after year as we approach our missions conference and we talk about the, the giving that God wants us to do. And, of course, the thing that I impress over and over and over again is this the, the three different ideas that God gives us when it comes. It's, it's three-dimensional, our giving to him. thing we, we sometimes get so upset about the tithe. But, of course, the tithe is only one, and the tithe wasn't the law. The tithe was before the law. It was during the law, and it was after the law. The tithe was there. And, of course, there were three tithes in the Old Testament. So it wasn't just the, the one 10%, but it was the 10% that was given every year. And every third year, there was another one given. So it was like 23 and a third percent in the Old Testament if you want to go back to the Old Testament tithe. But what we're saying is here in this passage, when they are instructed to bring, I want you to, 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 to note there once again in verse 2, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. This is, this is one of the greatest teachings in all of the Bible on what we call free will offerings. That's the second dimension of giving. You see, tithing is the first fruits. God should get the first fruits no matter what. God will honor that. But the free will offering, this was, this was something that had nothing to do with the tithe. This because there was a work of God that needed to be done. This tabernacle needed to be built. And therefore, he wanted those to come willingly that wanted to have a part in what God wanted to do. But remember, this is all still what they can do. The tithe was the first fruits of all that they had. What they're giving here, and he goes through all of these different items, all these things that were their possessions, and it wasn't just their money. 
It was all that their, their possessions that they had. They came willingly giving of their possession that God's work might be carried out. That's the love offerings. That's the, the free will offerings that we give. And of course, we go into the New Testament and we see that there is a giving that's beyond the first fruits, that's beyond the free will offering. That's that of faith promise when we can give beyond ourselves what God alone can, can do through us. But here, we find that first it's when God has asked his people to bring willingly and freely of themselves to build this place, this tabernacle that is going to be his place, his car, where he's going to meet with them. And the very first thing that he gives them to build is how to build the ark. And as we read through this, he says, that's where I'm going to meet with you. You see the ark with the mercy seat upon it. That was what was in the holy of holies. All, everything else was around that. Everything else led to that presence. That was where that God himself was. That was where the, the high priest went into. That was where he went in on behalf of all of the people and whatnot. But I said this, and I just want to remind you again this week, we can't say it all every week and get it all fit in in the next few weeks. Folks, the ark never saved anybody. <laughs> Nothing that we see here in this tabernacle ever saved a soul. We've looked many times. Oh, there was a promise to them, and this is all showing us, and that's what we want to look at. What does it show us about that one that was going to come? The only way that we would ever, you see, all the church, all the things, all the religious things, everything else that we do, without the presence of God, without Jesus Christ, it's all worthless. It means absolutely nothing. This is where that God would meet with his people this is where they had to bring those sacrifices year after year after year. But the, the blood of those goats and bulls never saved anybody, never saved anybody. When Jesus Christ shed his blood, he's the only one. He's the one that went and set all of those Old Testament captives free. We looked at that already. He went and set them free. When he died up on the cross, he paid the price. They had had the faith. They had been doing this all of those years but he was looking for that final sacrificial lamb that would come to be with the sacrifice once for all time. Every one of these Old Testament saints, you see, they were looking for the sacrifice that was still to come when Jesus would die on the cross. That same sacrifice is the only way that anybody has ever been saved or ever will be saved. We're looking back over 2,000 years of when that sacrifice took place. They're looking forward here at this point about 1,500 years before that that sacrifice took place. But that's what is a picture of this, what it is preparing them for. And so the first thing that we looked at in looking at this and just trying to say, okay, why does God give us all this? Why is this important to us? And as we look, I want us to see that God was showing them symbolically of what was going to be coming in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the first thing that we looked at week before us was the origin of this ark. You see, the fact is that God is the one that it originated from. It was God's plan. God's the one that told him exactly how long that it was going to be, how high that it was going to be, what it was going to made up, be made out of, exactly the whole structure in a few weeks. We've got the ark man coming, and he's going to build an ark here, and he's going to show us this, this ark and all those things that, uh, that went into it. Again, all by God's design, God's instruction. God told him exactly. People say, well, could people in that time frame that they lived with the intelligence that they had and the tools that they had, could they even do such a thing? Well, 
they're forgetting who the designer was. <laughs> you know, God's the one that designed it. And right here, we find that everything here originated from God, and we looked at those things, but then we looked into the New Testament. And first of all, I, I read you a couple of passages there. Hebrews chapter 1 said, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. God spoke to his people and this is one of the ways that he spoke to them in bygone days but in our times he's spoken to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at a couple of other passages, but there's one other one that I want to, to give you before that we move on to our, our second point, and that's found in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, the Word of God tells us this, looking down to, uh, uh, to verse 18. He says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. None of those things. That's what he's giving them here. But he said, you weren't redeemed by any of those things. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, listen, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Yes, I want you to realize and understand what we are reading about some 1,500 years before that Jesus Christ even came into this world, we're reading when this tabernacle was built, God was speaking to his people. God was showing him this people. The first thing that he wanted, the most important thing that was gonna be there was the place where God would meet. Can I say to you, in the New Testament, everything that God gave us there, it's important. He gives us all the instructions. He tells us about the church that he's going to build. He tells us how to operate that church. And we've gone through all of those things in the past. Folks, none of it matters without Jesus Christ. That's the center of it all. Here, the ark, the origin, the origin of the ark is the same in the New Testament as what we see right here of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. God spoke to them there. This is the place he would meet with his people. If you are going to meet with God today, it's going to be in Jesus Christ that's the only place. There is no other access to God. And we looked at a number of those things, but I want to move on to, to the second point here that we find. That was, that was what we looked at in those, in those first couple of verses. But look down, if you would, into verses 10 and 11 in Exodus chapter 25. Look, look down, if you would, with me in verse 10 and 11 where he starts giving them the instructions of how to build this ark, and they shall make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half. We said a cubit was around 18 inches, thereabouts. So we're talking about uh, uh, two cubits would be about would be about three foot, and then uh, an, another uh, uh, what eight inches added on and onto the top of that. 
Uh, and so we find that it's going to be two cubits and a half is going to be long, a cubit and a half the breadth, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. He gives them the size. It's going to be made out of the shittim wood, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold within and without, shall thou overlay it and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about. So first of all, it's God, it's God whom the instructions are originating from. It's God that is going to reveal himself to his people there with the ark. But here I want you to notice the materials that he's giving them that he's going to have them build this ark out of. These, these things tell us some things about them. The, the, the shittim wood, that was, that was an incorruptible wood. It was going to be built out of the wood, but then that wood was going to be overlaid with the gold. May I say to you that symbolically that wood, that wood symbolized the humanity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that gold that overlaid it inside and out and completely was the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the ark was the symbol. It was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that here that that, that thing that is beyond comprehension, that is beyond description to so many people, to any of us really, how that he could be all man and how he could be all God at the same time. And he was giving us a picture of this. You see the the wood that was that was that was grown there in the in the earth it represents it represents Christ coming from from the dust like like us the flesh that he took on bone of our bone Christ in his humanity and yet in his purity it was Jesus himself that said in John chapter 10 verse 30 I and my father are one you see it is the gold that 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 symbolizes that purity that holiness of God that was there incorruptible humanity alone couldn't stand in the center state. If they had just built the ark out of the, out of the wood and it was there just as the wood, there is no way that that in itself would have been sufficient. By the same token, may I say to you that Christ in his divinity alone, God was already, he was already completely God. You see, Jesus never began being God. God is eternal. God has always been but Jesus took on humanity over 2,000 years ago when he came into this earth. Jesus didn't come into existence at that point. His divinity has been there forever, but his humanity came into existence 2,000 years ago when he took on flesh and dwelt among us. Christ, he is the only one that is divinely represented. Such a, such a, a passage that is that is so common to, to all of us, and I'm sure that, uh, that most of you can quote it without looking it up in your Bibles, but in the Gospel of, of John chapter 1, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, the beginning of what? The beginning of all that we see, the beginning that all that is, not the beginning of God, but in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. God was already there in the beginning. He just had the act of creation that brought everything else into existence. In John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same God, the same God that was in the beginning in, one, in, in Genesis chapter 1, the same was in the beginning with God. He was God. He was in the beginning with God. We, we know sometimes how do we, on the one hand, bring them all together as one, and yet they're spoken about separately, individually. In verse 14, that same word that was 
in the beginning that was with God, that was God. It says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, that was when Jesus' humanity came into existence. Sometimes we think of all these, these passages at, uh, at, at Christmas that we read the Christmas story and all of that, but one of, my, one of my favorite passages is in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. I guess uh, I, I really would be hard-pressed to put a number on the number of Christmas sermons that I've, I started to say had to prepare, but I guess had the pleasure of preparing uh, over, uh, over a lifetime almost. But I can honestly say that there's, there's none that I've enjoyed more than when God showed us this passage here. And I believe that it tells us so much. In Galatians chapter 4, he begins by telling us there, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. That's where we were, folks. <laughs> but <laughs> I love those buts. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Do you realize God in all of his fullness, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who all, as the one God, they all have an active part in our salvation. Listen, God, as long as he was in heaven, could not bring about your salvation. Jesus was already divine God. He always had been. But that alone wouldn't bring about your salvation. Now, you can go and you can read by a whole lot smarter guys than me, and you can read all kind of books with all kind of things about these different things, but why, why was it necessary for God, the God that created, why was it necessary for the God that created everything that exists to take on flesh, to take on humanity in this world? Well, these verses give us some very strong hints. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could say there, but May I say to you, first of all, you know, God gave us, God gave us in the Old Testament, they're building this tabernacle. They're building the ark that is going to be the meeting place to meet with God. The mercy seat is going to be on top of that ark of the covenant, but God's going to give them what goes inside of that. And what's going to be inside of that? It's going to be God's word. God's going to give them his word, his commandments that are going to be inside of that God, uh, that which God requires of each and every one of us. Folks, the wages of sin is death. It was the sin. The law never saved anybody. The ark never saved anybody. But it's what showed us our sinfulness. It was our schoolmaster. It allows us to see God's holiness and why that we fail for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We may hit all of man's marks, but we've all come short of the glory 
of God. We've all missed the mark when it comes to God's glory. You see, God was already God in heaven, but he took on flesh and he came to this world that he could do for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. He's the only sinless man that ever walked the face of this earth. He didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He was tempted in all points, like as we are yet without sin. He had to take on humanity. He was showing them back in the tabernacle when he was designing that, that, that Ark of the Covenant there. He was showing them the, the, the divinity in this, in this incorruptible wood. He's the only incorruptible body that ever walked on this earth. He's the only one that ever walked this earth without blemish, without spot, that was able to go and be the sacrifice for us. You see, he came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves. But in order to go to the cross and to die for us, he came to live the life that he could only do. That was the only way that he could be the sacrifice that he needed to be for our sins. But it was also the only way, as we spoke there a minute ago, that he was, he was tempted in all points like as we are. He's tasted. He knows exactly what it's like to walk in your shoes. He's not a high priest that, that cannot be touched with the infirmities that, that you face in this life and go through. He was there. He went through it all. And I want you to realize and understand that though we may never, you know, how many times, how many times have, have I said, you know, I wish that I were smart enough to speak it and that you were smart enough to understand it, <laughs> that we could fully explain just what a triune God is, is, is all about. I read something in my devotions earlier this week, and I and I wish I could remember it. I should have wrote it down like I should write everything down these days. But, but it had to do with the fact that, that, that God, in his triunity, that, that we can never fully grasp and understand, that God there in his triunity, he's a God that, 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 that nobody can ever touch, nobody can ever be like, but in his humanity, he came and reached down to each and every one of us, every other religion in all the world. They're trying to find a way to God. But in our Christian faith, God found a way to us. The God that created us, he found a way down to us. And I want you to grasp and understand that Jesus was in all of his humanity just like this Shittim would. But that wood was totally covered inside and out. It was covered with pure gold. It was covered with that which which recognized God's holiness, his, the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the humanity and the divinity all together in one. How could he be all God and all man at the same time? Well, we'll never fully understand that. We'll never fully grasp that because on the one hand, he did not stop being God when he became a man, but when he became a man. He was a complete man, 100% man. He felt everything just as we did in this life. He walked the same steps. He did the same things. He was there in all of his humanity. And yet here in the Old Testament, he was showing us that oneness. I want us just to remember and be reminded that Jesus did that for you this evening. 
Jesus did that for each and every one of us. And, and in the Old Testament, this ark that was going, that was designed by God, that originated from God, not by man, but it originated from God to, to be the meeting place where that God would meet with us. And that God showed us that that meeting place in the ark, that it was going to be made of something that was completely of this earth in its nature, the shittim wood, incorruptible shittim wood, and that pure gold, that pure divinity that was completely and 100% God. And he had to be both. We may never grasp and understand all of it, but he had to be both. And that's what the ark teaches us. It teaches us the fact that if we're going to meet with God, we've got to meet with Jesus Christ. And folks, today, again, I've said this in so many different ways. You know, we have to come to recognize and accept Jesus Christ for who he is. We've covered in different, in different ways in recent times that there's a lot of people that will accept Jesus Christ in his humanity. There's a lot of people that will accept him in his fleshness, that he was a figure in history. I heard many lost people that, that, that have admitted to me that, yes, they believe that historically he was a figure that walked this earth. He was a figure that was crucified upon a cross. But we said last week, <laughs> the thing that sets him apart from all the others is the resurrection. Why is it attacked so often? Why is it attacked so often? Because that's what makes him different. Without the resurrection, he would be just another dead martyr. But his humanity, in his humanity, he lived that incorruptible life so that he could die for your sins. And in his divinity, he was always completely 100% God that came for your sins. The Old Testament teaches us that God revealed himself in the New Testament in his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to look at some other things in this passage as we go through it. But I want us just to grasp, and just to understand that that tabernacle, that that meeting place of the Ark of the Covenant, that it was symbolic of the only place that man can meet with God that's the Lord Jesus Christ in his humanity and his divinity, 100% man, 100% God. You can't just accept him in one or the other. You've got to accept him for who he is, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There are many people out there that will simply leave out the part. They'll leave off the gold and just try to accept him in his humanity or they'll accept him as maybe some, some, some God, but not in his humanity. But most of the time, it's the other way around. So Jesus is there for us this evening. And everything in the Old Testament points to that same Jesus that God revealed in the New Testament. Father, as we look at the Ark of the Covenant and that which you've given to us there, Lord, Lord, I pray that you'd just help us to remember that even as you instructed them to build that Ark, Lord, with that shittim wood that would be totally overlaid, Lord, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, he came in all of his humanity, but he never quit being divine. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, but when he became flesh, he didn't quit being God. Help us to understand and grasp that he had to become man in order to do what we could not do for ourselves, in order to die in our place in humanity. He had to take on that humanity to be able to take our place. But, Lord, thank you that he never ceased being God. 
Thank you that even today that he's there on your right hand and he's interceding on our behalf. Thank you that even today we no longer have to go to a tabernacle and have some priest go into the ark and, and meet there for us, but through Jesus Christ we can meet directly with you. So, Father, help us as we, as we try to look at these things, recognizing and realizing, Lord, that the only Redeemer that we've ever had is Jesus Christ. He's the only redemption that man knows, and he's our redemption this evening. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.